Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We're still knee deep in tech and this is episode 37 recorded on the 28th of March 2018. Yes. What's happening in your life? <laughs> uh, we signed up for Microsoft Ignite. We did. So something is happening in our life. <laughs> There's only that life, my friend. Oh dear. Uh, I think our respective wives have some issues with that, but yeah. Yep. yep. Ignite. Yep. Uh, we signed up yesterday. Yep. Really looking forward to it. Yes. We're we're getting kind of experienced, at least from at least I am. Would when it comes I to ignite yes. specifically. Well, this is just my second ignite. I need to think. I think it's your fourth. Fourth ignite, yes, but fifth ignite slash teched. Yep, you've so you've been to that. I I mean I've I've been frequenting. Um, you've been past, past yeah, past summit, exactly. yeah. But yeah, it will be fun. Um, some interesting things. They have removed the plus pass. I I've never purchased that, but I have friends and colleagues who have. Okay. Uh, and also, there weren't a early bird discount. No, but there were another kind of discount. I had a discussion yesterday, last night, uh, on Twitter with a few friends of ours, okay. Jimmy and Jessica. Yeah. They had a $150 rebate. And apparently there were... For Ignite. For Ignite. 150 tickets, uh, discounted tickets, for some reason. They they didn't quite know why, but they, they had uh, been, okay. been given... A pair of those. So we need to uh, execute operation. Um, let's get Jimmy to the U.S. Jessica is is she want to go? But uh, Jimmy is a bit um, skeptical. They have raccoons. They. Ha there you go. Any other argument is invalid. We have a raccoon. Your argument is invalid. Yes. Okay. We'll we'll. That's the name of the episode. Raccoon? Rac we have a raccoon. We have your okay. We have your raccoon, sir. Rac no, uh, no, no, don't no. go there. Yep, uh, it will be great. I, I'm hoping to learn a lot. We are going to talk about RDS in Windows Server 2019. Yeah, uh, 2019 in a sec. But Citrix Summit? No, Synergy. Can't I? Can't tell them apart mm -hmm. for my life. That that. The equivalent of Ignite for Citrix right. is coming up in a, just about a month, if I remember correctly. So I'm hoping to get some news there, but I'm also expecting quite a lot of news around Windows 18.09, Server 18.09, Server 2019, the partnership with Citrix, and plenty of other stuff at Ignite. Yeah. So I, I, it will be a good year this year as well. As I see it, and uh, always looking forward to meeting our American friends and also other people that we only meet at Ignite. True. I mean, the 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 networking aspect of Ignite cannot be overstated. No, that and that's the main reason. For that is the main reason. And before people scream, yes, yes, you can go go hang out and and barbecue with your friends. <laughs> at another time, that's not the point. The point is, we get to meet people we interact with on a almost daily basis on, on Twitter and so on and so forth. Yep. And we get to discuss technical stuff. Yep. They know things we don't. We know things they don't. Yep. So everybody wins. And well, there is something to be said 
for actually meeting someone in person. Exactly. And also the MCT summit or yes, MCT, the MCT pre-day. Zero day. That is awesome. Yeah. Such a great, great group of people. Yes. Uh, I really enjoyed last year. They had some good content. I was very sad to not have yep. gone last year, but I very much enjoyed it the year before that. Yep. We got the preview of the whole new revamp of the um, the um, certification system. Yep, exactly. And that kind of made us get out a bit ahead when yep. it came to planning our courses and what to say and how to teach. Yep. Very useful. Exactly. Moving on. Yep. This week's... Do, we, do you want to start with BI or SQL? I'll do both. <laughs> oh, no, I'll start with Power BI. I've since since I'm working on a um, Power BI course, creating a course. Yep. I've taken the whole Power BI sharing to a kind of a new level. Yep. Put it through its paces, and well, I I find something interesting in the documentation that I decided to put it to a test, and that is what is called Azure B two B. Uh, Azure AD Business Business enables you to share content or actually to get a an external user as a guest user in your AD. Yeah. So that's not very difficult, as in that is very, very simple. You just put in the, the, the email address for the person in, in question and they get an email. And if you don't have a Microsoft account, it creates one on the fly. Yep. Nice. But when it comes to Power BI, you have one more thing you need to take care of, and that is licensing. There are basically three ways that you can consume shared content in in Power BI. It is either Power BI Premium, Power BI Pro when you brought your own license, or Power BI Pro when the sharing organization gives you a license. Yep. And of course, we have Power BI Free and, and Shared Web, but that's another discussion. And what can be read in the documentation for B2B, it is not very obvious, is that you can actually s share content with what is known as a personal email address, yeah. such as uh, Gmail or Outlook.com. Or Yahoo. Or Yahoo. Is Yahoo still around? I don't know. I think Yahoo... I'm actually too young to remember. <laughs> True. <sighs> Digress. <laughs> and the thing is, you cannot sign up to Power BI with a personal email address. Nope. Which means that you cannot sign up and then get a trial for a Power BI Premium. Uh, sorry, Power BI Pro. That means you cannot have a license. Yep. So that takes the whole bring your own license out of the equation. And my first idea was that, okay, that means in order to share to someone with a personal address, you need to put the content in a premium capacity, which completely negates the need for uh, the, the consumer to have a license. Yep. But I think it is quite possible to share with a personal account if you give this personal account an um, Power BI license in your Azure AD. But it's something to keep it, uh, keep track of since... It is probably a dumb idea to share to a uh, personal account. Yep. It it adds one more level of complexity that you need to keep track of. Yep. And in a way, to me, it it makes sense, sort of, kind of, because if you, as you said, and now 
please correct me if I'm uh, mixing up the licensing. But Power BI Premium, mm -hmm. that doesn't require the one consuming the content to have a Power BI license. Correct. correct? Yeah. Uh, and to me, that makes sense. Because if you are an organization that wants to enable personal accounts to consume content, you're probably making money of it in some way or another. Or it, it's, it's, it's a service to regular people. Sure, nothing here in, in life is free. Yeah. And when you then look at Power BI Pro, that's more focused on collaboration between organizations. No. No. <laughs> that is more focused on collaboration within your organization. Yeah. It is, in my view, exceedingly rare that you actually share content with another organization without using either a premium capacity, which yeah. is very simple, or Power BI Embedded, which is yep. another discussion. Yep. So, so this is just a way of doing it, not necessarily the way to do it. Yeah. But anyways, it, to me, at least for uh, as a non-BI person, that makes sense. Sure. If you're doing business to business, it's probably, t to me, it's uh, valid that you need licenses on both, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In both yeah, directions. Yeah. Absolutely. You can't require a private individual to have a Power BI license. Then you need to provide them with that service, and then you need to pay on their behalf. Good point. Very good point. Yep, and go moving on to SQL Server. First of all, Azure SQL Data Warehouse is now generally available. Hooray! Yes, and the, th the thing with Azure SQL Data Warehouse is that I've, I'm, I'm still hearing so many misconceptions of what it is yep. and how you use the darn thing. So you have two minutes. Explain. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what you shouldn't do. <laughs> and you shouldn't use the Azure SQL Data Warehouse as a way to store stuff that you want to access concurrently on from several uh, different clients. Yep. You have a very, very limited number of concurrent clients on the SQL Data Warehouse, yep. which is kind of weird when you think of what how you use a, a data warehouse on-prem. SQL Data Warehouse is designed for big muscles and data crunching. Yep. Then you put the result in, for instance, SQL Server uh, analysis services. Be careful with what you use the SQL Data Warehouse for. It is very good at what it should do, but it is very, very bad at what people think it should do. So, so why do they have that different differentiation between a data warehouse on-prem and a data warehouse in Azure? It's a good point. I... Well, I haven't thought about it actually, and I was just like everybody else, kind of, uh, kind of surprised when Azure SQL Data Warehouse came out. Yep. But it is a massively parallel toy. Yep. In a way that is perhaps not quite necessary. And then again, most of the time you can just as well use SQL Server Analysis Services and service your BI needs. And I think that we, are, we have been doing this podcast for over a year now. We have. Uh, and I believe that this feature is something that we actually have discussed the entire way from like idea, talk, preview, and the entire life cycle from the start to release. Mm -hmm. Because I remember that you had that discussion in a very, very early episode on, on the need for that service in Azure. Yeah. So things are changing. 
and they are it's, indeed. It's great and to be a part of that change. Yes, and with Azure Data Factory version two, uh, Azure Data Factory is actually useful. Yep. So the Swiss Army knife of business intelligence in Azure is becoming more and more powerful. Great. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that, you are going to Munich. I am going to Munich. I just yesterday uh, it was it was announced that I will be speaking at Azure Saturday. So not SQL Saturday. No, it is an Azure Saturday, but I think yep. it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. So this is in the end of of May. Yep. And I will be doing a version of my Azure SQL database. This one is called Azure SQL Database for on-prem for the on-prem DBA. Oh. So it's it's kind yep. of geared toward Oh crap, they're going to put my database in the cloud. What do I need? So comparing that to your uh, the Cloud Awakens, mm -hmm. which is more based on the idea it's a level 200 session. Yes. Yeah. And this is will be a more of a 300. I'd say 250. <laughs> 250. It, it's going to be an overview yeah. since you don't need a bits and bytes discussion yep. for an hour. Yep. It's going to be an overview. This is what you do on-prem. This is how that changes. This is what you do on-prem. This you don't need to do anymore. This you don't do on-prem, but you very much need to keep track of this in the in the cloud. Yep. So it, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Yep. Um, and I'm I'm um, expecting a very good discussion. Yep. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to Munich. I bet. Mm -hmm. I've heard they have beer. <laughs> And cars. Uh, well, I'm going to SQL Grillen in Lille. Yeah, you you are. You Beers, are. SQL Server, and Bratwurst. Add some I'm windows and I'm... I'm, I'm all going. set. Yep. Good. Yep. Windows 2019. Yeah, we need to talk about it. We didn't have time last week. Which is kind of weird. Yep. And there's a bunch of new features in windows server 2019 so i because i'm the servicing guy i'll start with that mm -hmm. this is a long-term servicing channel release say that three times in the quick succession ltsc right uh which means first of all you have a gui okay this is the only server you can look at so the long-term servicing branch comes channel with channel channel Comes with a GUI. Yes. Okay. Nothing other than that. Right. You can run it in Server Core. Right. Of course. But you, this is the only server release where you're able to add a GUI ah. state. And this is um, the recommended, like it's stated in the blog post, continues to be a recommended version of Windows Server for the most of the infrastructure scenarios, including workloads like Microsoft SQL Server, SharePoint, uh, Windows Server Software Defined Solutions, Config Manager, and so on. Server infrastructure components that requires a GUI. Okay. And this also have a support statement of 10 years. 10 years? Yes. Wow. Um, and it has the same licensing model as Server 2016. So this is the server version that you should use if you require a GUI. If you don't, you should really look into the uh, semi-annual channel release of Windows Server, which will be released in the same time frame. Okay. Uh, and that, that only provides a server core and nano server installations. Right. And needs to be serviced every 18 months. Right. And that's 
the direction we are moving into. Yep. So with that, let's talk some features mm-hmm. and hybrid cloud scenarios. First of all, they are doing quite a lot with that. Okay. When it comes to Active Directory, synchronizing file servers, backup, that's things we are doing, and they are improving that. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways to manage your hybrid cloud, which is something they also include in Windows Server 2019, is Project Honolulu. Right. So the killer of the MMCs. <laughs> and it will be a lot easier to work with hybrid solutions such as Azure Backup, Azure File Sync, Disaster Recovery, and so on from right. one single point of uh, management. Okay. So that's good. Yep. We also have this, and you you are now a Linux guy as well. Sure. Because SQL Server or is actually, Linux. Actually, I've, I've been for the last 20 years. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. For the record, the only good thing about Linux... Is the penguins. Exactly. I good. knew you should say that. Yep. So with Windows Server 2016, uh, the concept of shielded VMs were introduced. So a way to protect virtual machines... From from administrators, really. Oh. So looking at it from a um, service priority perspective or public cloud perspective, yeah. If you today run Hyper-V, VMware, Send Server, whatever, as your virtualization solution, and you're an admin of that, you're able to browse VMs. Right. You don't require any access right. to the app, right. the server, but you can browse the disks and so on. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the features you get in shielded VMs that you're actually able to protect the VM from the administrator. And with 2019, they are extending the shielded VMs to support Linux VMs on Hyper-V. That is useful. It is. Uh, and it also clearly states that Microsoft isn't all about Windows Server. It's. But they haven't been all no. about Windows Server for quite some time. Yeah, ever, ever since they introduced support for Linux in Hyper-V. Yeah. And, or extended support for Linux in Hyper-V. Yeah. So that's great. They are also extending VM Connect to improve troubleshooting of shielded VMs for Windows Server and Linux. Nice. Uh, and added encrypted networks. I can just butt in and, and tell you about one interesting thing that came out just, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Yep. Serial console access to VMs in Azure. Yep both on Linux and Windows. Yep. That is very useful. Yep. Keeping on the security track, mm-hmm. uh, we have for a while had Windows Defender ATP in Windows 10. Yep. And we even have I had... Know that. Even I know that. Yep. And now they have added that into Windows Server 2019. You had the support using uh, agents previously. Now, Windows Defender ATP is included in the OS for Windows 2019. Oh. Um, and we could speak an entire episode on ATP, but it's uh, really, really good to see that they're extending the, those capabilities and making it a lot easier to deploy and securing your environments using ATP. That's. I know exactly who I'd like to talk to about that since I met... Uh, an interesting guy at one of the SQL Saturdays in Vienna. Yep. No, it wasn't Vienna. It was somewhere else. <laughs> it was Vienna. <laughs> and we we uh, we had a discussion about 
antivirus. Yep. And he was adamant that never ever put antivirus anywhere near a server that you need to have maximum performance with from. Due to the fact that every IO operation needs to go through the uh, antivirus layer. And that is a very good point. And that's one of the things I, I say when I... Yeah, we have had that discussion. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we are not completely on the same point. No, because you don't need that last itty bitty piece of uh, performance that... Then you buy more RAM or a second CPU or another server or, or scale out. Or in this case, we're talking IO. You buy one more disk then. <laughs> now, but it, it, yeah, it I, I, get, I, get, I get the point. Yeah, but, but it would be interesting to speak to this guy who is into super, super high-end performance testing. Basically, whenever a company builds a new drive, they hand it to him and say, break it. Yep. And he does. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, may maybe if I can find some time with him, I'll, yep. I'll do an interview. Yep. Okay. Um. With server 2019, they are also reducing the size of the server core-based container image to a third. Hello. So from a third uh, of its current size of 5 gigabytes for server core. Nice. That's kind of awesome. I saw... And, uh, and uh, also it will reduce the download time by of the image by 72%. Uh, so... Makes sense. I saw a blog post the other day that said that maybe it wasn't Windows Server, maybe it was the next. No, it's the what is the next Windows 10? They don't. It doesn't have a name yet. But it is supposed to be able to install under an hour. We're uh, gonna see about that. Uh, That's yes, the sound uh, Simon makes when he doesn't agree. <laughs> Moving on. Hold that one. Okay. We'll get back to that. Yep. Yep. Uh, also, a bunch of new Kubernetes support, Windows subsystem for Linux, mm -hmm. uh, more focused on hyper-converged infrastructure. Yep. Plenty of new stuff. Cool. And we are also looking forward to System Center 2019. Yeah. So, lots of things to look forward to. And moving on to a very interesting thing that have has been removed from Windows Server 2019. Yes. The remote desktop uh, services host. Yep. So the ability to, in your RDS environment, add a Windows server as uh, a terminal server, so a shared desktop, or use a server as a VDI. We had a, a discussion about this in the car the other day, and I was just, what? Yes. And then so you explained it, and I turned into, oh. Yeah. So, and I come from a life, remember the blog post, but it's been viral on Twitter. So you can't set up a full RDS environment based on server 2019 today. Mm -hmm. You can right. set up all the infrastructure components. Okay. But not the session host. Right. And... This has been quite uh, interesting from a Citrix and VMware point of view as well. Yeah. Uh, because what are we supposed to do? Mm -hmm. But the thought is that Microsoft wants to remove the GUI of every server. Yep. And that the remote desktop service host requires a GUI for obvious reasons. There we go. 
Uh, and instead, the idea is that we'll be able to use Windows 10 machines, so virtual Windows 10 machines that could be uh, configured to scale to uh, a large amount of simultaneous loser, uh, concurrent users instead. <laughs> simultaneous <laughs> losers? <laughs> bad, bad, Simon. Yeah? Sorry. Keep on going. Uh, yeah, so probably we'll see that, again, server should be a server. If a Windows operating system have a GUI, then it's a client. Which is kind of, of yes. reasonable. And that's things we're looking forward to see at the upcoming Citrix event and also learn more about on Ignite. So yep. the future of desktop and application virtualization. Yep. That that sounds very, very plausible and very reasonable, I think. Yep. I would say so. Yeah. Um, I can just butt in another thing here. I had to test something the other day. <laughs> you had it, to. Yeah. And it required me to quickly set up a um, two or more node SQL Server. And I, uh, SQL Server always on availability group. Say that three times. Mm, yeah. So how do you do that since... It requires a domain. Yep. You're going to need a domain account for the, the machines to talk to each other. And you're going to probably need a DNS and so on and so forth. So how do you quickly do this? Well, the answer is there is a template for that in Azure. It's going to cost... An ARM template. An ARM template, yes. It's going to cost you a bit, not very much, unless you need to have the machines running 24-7. So in 55 minutes, I had two domain controllers two VMs, all the SQL Server set up and configured for always-on availability groups. Yep. Just boom. There we go. And then I can do my testing and tear it all the whole thing down. And it's going to cost me less than 15 bucks. I love the, cl the cloud. Yes. It is unprecedented. And ARM is so powerful. Yes, it is. The automation engine behind that is... And speaking about automation, PowerShell... I've, I've, talked I've heard about of it. Never heard of it. Right. I've talked about DBA tools yeah. more than once. I'm <laughs> going to talk about it more going forward too. Because they, they are adding features to it all the time. They are. And case in point, the other day, something called Find DBA Instance was created and then shared. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were able to, about to say Find DBA. Well, there is no... I'll, I'll talk to Rob and Chrissy about that. <laughs> we, we need to have a Find DBA PowerShell commandlet. But that what dash this does force. Dash force. <laughs> 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 oh, we have so many different names for this one. Find DBA pipe get unique. Dash, dash force. force. <laughs> oh dear. They're gonna like this one. Anyhow, what this commandlet does is that it goes out and tries to find the different SQL servers on the network. Yeah. And previously, you're going to have to use four or five different tools to find your databases. And then again, you might not necessarily catch them all. And that's the case with this too. But here we spin all the different ways of looking for a SQL Server instance into one commandlet. So it saves a lot of time. And since it is included in DBA tools, you don't need to set up something specific for this. It is just in there. And the documentation page for 
find DBA instance is amazing. Lots of interesting um, examples, very easy to use. And trust me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this one. Yep. I've al already seen several blog posts and, and Twitter posts that says, yes, this is the best thing since insert important thing. <laughs> so great, great, great stuff. Thank you very much for that one. Great. Yep. I have to ask you, what do you think of your Android phone? Oh. This, keep in mind, guys, that this is the guy that didn't want to lose his Windows phone. His Windows phone took care of that for him <laughs> by almost bursting into flames and dying yep. at last year's Ignite, right? Yes. And there's actually an unpacked HP X3 just on top of my locker. It's still in plastic. It should stay in no, plastic. No, I'm getting that. I just need to find a manager who can give it to me. Uh, when have you ever asked for permission? You just take I do the thing. it, but afterwards. Okay. There we go. Anyway, so I received my Samsung S9 Plus last week. Yep. And on the plus side. <laughs> exactly. On the plus side, battery, great. Yep. Uh, almost two days of actual usage that is useful super fast charging using a wall plug it charged from zero to 100 percent in less than two hours you told me that's that's good yeah this the camera is just freakishly awesome mm -hmm. uh which <coughs> did you see my tweet about using office lens no. Last week. Yeah, I <coughs> used the camera at the System Center user group last week without Office Lens, oh. which was uh, pointed out to me in a uh, in, in the way I deserved. <laughs> so I now <laughs> stated on Twitter that if I ever post a picture of a presentation screen without using Office Lens, I'll donate $50 to charity for each picture. There we go. Yeah. And now it's on record as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, so... Uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, I and this surprises me a bit. I absolutely loved the keyboard at with the Windows Phone mm -hmm. and the autocorrect. Mm -hmm. Awesome. If you ever have used an iOS device, you know that's just crap from an autocorrect point of view. It's horrible to use coming from Windows. Um, I wouldn't go quite that far, but I'm using a third-party keyboard. Exactly. The Android keyboard is even worse. The autocorrect of this stupid device is among the most You're going to swear. You're things. going to swear. I, I, I feel it. <laughs> well, we're the, going to have to it's, it's state that absolutely this episode horrible. is horrible. Absolutely horrible. Okay. It exchanges words in Swedish and in English. So if I write a perfectly good word, <laughs> it will exchange that for another word that's similar in spelling. How do you elephant? Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. So that's the the bad thing. So you're less than amused. It's a lot better than the iPhone, and a lot better than iOS. Yeah, but okay. Two weeks in. Two weeks in. Two weeks in. Two and weeks you in. compare it to a very old iPhone. I, I do. I you do. do. But the OS is still the same. I didn't like iOS. No. No, I, I, I know. And, yeah. and, and I two, two weeks that. in, Android is better. 
I still I, I received an update the day after I received the phone. Mm-hmm. And now when I move into my start or the search app screen, every other time I'm forced to do that twice. So oh. if I open the menu, it will close instantly and I will have to open it again. That's annoying. Uh, and to be completely transparent, I haven't used the uh, native Android experience. I installed the Microsoft Launcher instantly, and I'm really pleased with that. Cool. Uh, so I'm pleased with the phone. It was a good choice. If you are looking into a new high-end Android phone, go for the S9 Plus. If it's if you're okay with that size, it's a very small price difference between the S9 and the S9 yeah, the, Plus. The price difference isn't that big, but it is. It it, it, it is a it's a, it's, it's, it's a large phone. It is as big it, as an aircraft carrier. And it's still smaller than the HP X3. And it's smaller than the Pixel. Wow. Uh, but go for the plus one. Okay. You get optical zoom, you get a larger battery, you get a larger screen. Uh, other than that, it's the same. But only for the camera, mm. I would say that that's more than a valid argument to get the bigger one. If yep. you want. If, if you're okay with such a large phone. Yep. So I'm pleased... Um, yeah, th- there are things I do not like, of course. But that's the case with all the phones. I mean, I'm I've been using uh, iOS and an iPhone for ages. And yes, and, and you tried Windows Phone. I did, and, and th- that's that's quite, all I require. Sure, and th- there are quite some things in iOS that I hate. Yeah. So there is no one perfect solution for anyone, I think. Yeah. Okay, and we are coming up on thirty something minutes. It is time to end the show. And I didn't get time to talk about your config manager release. For once. That has to be uh, some kind of record. Yep. We'll take that the next time. Yes. When is the next time, by the way? Two weeks, I believe, at least. It is two weeks. Because I'll be on holiday next week in Austria. Right. Yes. Quite correct. We are looking at thursday the next not not next thursday but thursday after that thursday the 12th yes well we'll see you then have a good one yep bye bye